Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready to start another week right here with Pre-Market Prep? I'm excited to start another show with you guys. Let's get into it. Bed, Bath & Beyond, Energy Crisis, Digital World Acquisition. We'll talk, of course, about what's going on with Gazprom, OPEC Plus, and of course, all the oil news that's out there. CVS with Signify Health, Cardinal Health, Elliott Stake. And of course, we'll take a look at what's going out in the markets, getting you ready for this week. A lot of action to talk about. Let's talk, of course, about the uh, non-manufacturing PMI that's going to be coming out at 10 a.m. That's your economic data to watch out. Welcome to it. Rise and shine. It's time to start the day. Pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on the guys here, Joel Conan and of course Dennis Dick. How are you guys doing? What's up? Not Working bad, hard. not bad, not bad here. I mean, considering all the bad news we've had over the weekend and uh the bad day that we had on Friday, uh, we're up 26 handles. It's uh 395050, uh closer to the high than the low of the session. Uh, Dennis is going to explain to us with all this uh, oil and crude talk and uh, reductions why it's down 21 cents at 86.66. Uh, gold is up 210 at 17.2470. Silver back in the 18 handle up 47 cents at 18.35. Uh, Bitcoin futures they're up 35 dollars at 19,810. And Ethereum ooh that's moving nicely. Uh, that's up $119 at $16.55. Uh, Triple D. Um, How's the weekend? You had your uh, you had your Michigan thing on, and now you don't. No, I know. I should have kept the Michigan thing on for you. I had a coat on because I was just outside. I got the landscapers <laughs> out there. I was talking to them. So I have my Michigan just to represent you, Joel. Uh, good weekend? Yeah, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, well, the game was fun. I mean, besides... Uh, being 90 degrees but uh believe it or not i i created a little controversy over the weekend not uh, you regarding you would get that yeah not joel you yeah, dog you yeah i did i What's i hit the uh i hit the detroit uh radio waves uh, no was, yeah, the radio. yeah i did you're on I the radio did. we're on the, the line here on with radio. joel caller joel Joel from Westfield. And, and then after I get done, my, you know, of course, my brother-in-law, caller Joel. Uh, so 
Uh, Stocks and Jocks didn't know about this. Do you know there's a big quarterback controversy here? What? In, uh, in a quarterback controversy? Yeah. Where? In What's Michigan. going on? Who's the quarterback? Cade McNamara led us led us to beat Ohio State last year. Led us to the uh, you know uh, semifinal game. Was named a starter. We have we have just a fantastic uh, sophomore named JG JJ McCarthy. Right? The guy. There's only three quarterbacks in the NFL that are faster than him. And, you know, but so everyone wants him to start, even though this guy led us to a one loss season last year. And, uh, you know, so they're ripping Harbaugh and this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, you know, so I just, I, I called in and the way I started it, Lisa was around. She got mad at me. I said, you guys on your radio station and the national media are a bunch of bozos. That's, that's the way that. I started. They it. loved that. They did. Uh-oh. And basically, I think Harbaugh knows that um, Cade's going to be a better NFL quarterback, and JJ's a better college quarterback, and he's going to keep them around, and he's just going to he's going to cultivate both players. And uh, they, man, they didn't want to have any of that. They were ripping. Even the people that called in after I was on were ripping me. So uh, that Joel was the controversy. The I was a controversy. Who but was people, that Joel guy called? And this guy doesn't know anything. And, and meanwhile, there's no more knowledgeable college football fan in the nation, in the world than me. And especially you go to a Michigan <laughs> game with me. I'm calling out plays. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, but let's get, <laughs> That's unbelievable. my knowledge is unbelievable. You, you hear that hardball? <laughs> Listen up. Yeah, He's got some. I, I tell you though, like they say, you know, the master. You know, if you got to like, <laughs> what is it, ten thousand hours into something to become a master of it, you've got more than ten thousand hours in the Michigan ball. I'll tell you that, Joel. Oh, so, so if anybody's it. a master, it's got to be you. Got to be up there. Put well, another zero hours. on there. I think you got your hours. We Why are we up it. today, Dennis? Why not? Why there's Why nothing not? going on. It's good. We do everything that the market thinks we're not going to do. Everybody get a little bit too bearish. What I will say on SPY, you now have a major level of support. We got a double bottom from the last two days in SPY. I don't look at those futures. I don't like paying 700 bucks a we month. Know, Dennis, we know, Dennis. 390 390.33. That's a double bottom in place in SPY. That coincides with the July 26th bottom. A 389.95 rounded all to 390 and saying 390 is now major support. As long as we hold that, you can do a little bit of dip buying. But if we take that 390 out, Katie bar the door, as Joel Alcon would say, yep. we're going to see 380. Yeah. No. And, uh, you know, we got to set up. You know, you had the Friday down day. Um, you didn't make a new low for the week, but you did have, you post your lowest close for the week. And, um, I watched it on Sunday and Monday, and they got it a little bit in the red. I was hoping it was going to get close to that double bottom. I got a big nothing done trying to buy it there, and um, I just didn't have a hankering to short it. I just didn't have a a, a good level to short it, um, and now we're just uh, we're just drifting higher. Of course, when the real liquidity comes in at nine thirty, maybe can we hang out for like a week or two? Maybe not go absolutely no. crazy nah. and then do the rollover. And then do Let's the quad ridge. We don't no. do all that. Come no, on. No, we're going crazy. It's September. Of course we're going to go crazy. This, not, this ain't the dog days of August anymore. We're now <laughs> September. My kids are going back to school today. People are going back to work. Bill Ackman said all the people in his office are going back into the office here. So well, there's going to be some action. We're going to have uh, some chop. Chop, chop, chop. 
How's this? I'll give you some bear analyst outlook. Uh, Morgan Stanley strategist Michael Wilson cutting his expectations for earnings per share growth for the year, saying that a slowing economy is now likely to be the bigger concern for stocks rather than scorching inflation and a hawkish Federal Reserve. We think the next quarter will end up containing some of the most significant downs, downward revisions to Ford EPS forecasts we have seen in several cycles. Wilson I'm wrote, Mike. and I knew, and I know on Tuesday. So, uh, Mike Wilson, uh, Morgan Stanley's bear, stepping up here. I agree. I agree. Um, I think there's going to be problems this next earnings season. I think. A lot of the problems haven't shown up yet with higher rates of people getting pinched, but you can see it. You can start to feel it out there now. Um, I was tweeting out my one friend in New York City here, went at Abercrombie and Fitch over the weekend. Nobody in there. There was like he said that was a ghost town. I don't know if that was just maybe it was Dennis, the that's Abercrombie and Fitch. Maybe it's always a ghost yeah, town. You're yeah, right. I wish it was you come <laughs> with something. A There's bit. a reason the stock's sitting here at a multi-year lows, really. So you know, maybe it was a bad. I should have gone to some other stores, but yeah, Abercrombie and Fitch not looking good. I just feel like it's gonna happen. I mean, you can't raise interest rates this much and not eventually feel the pinch. And the Fed has t- laid this out. This is what needs to happen to kill inflation. you got to kill demand. So give me some short-term pain for the long-term gain. The only question, it's not about whether we're going to recession, not about whether we're slowing down. The Fed is making us slow down. They're going to continue to raise rates until we slow down. The one thing we need to see is start slowing down here so they can stop raising rates. As, they do, as we don't see it slowing down, it's actually worse because the Fed's going to get more aggressive. The Fed-induced recession needs to happen because they're not going to stop raising rates until we get it. They play extremes. They pill, they you love know, to play extremes. You know, I, I I'm so conflicted here because a lot <laughs> a lot of the things that you're saying here, but uh, obviously Mike Wilson uh, didn't read his Barons uh, this week. What's Barons okay? saying? What is Barons oh, saying? Oh man, now? the Barons alert! The Barons oh, alert! What here. are they saying now? The labor crunch is here to stay. The labor crunch is here to stay. It means jobs for everyone. Yes. So how it just gotta run out eventually. How are we gonna have a recession (laughs) out without much higher unemployment? Please, Milton. It's easy. They'll get it there. They'll get it there, Joel. That's what we're all pointing to. They're gonna get it there. They're gonna get that unemployment up past four percent because they're gonna keep hiking until then. It's just even if that stays the case, though. It's not good for stocks that yeah, labor, you know, let's just take it away from recession. Say we don't go into a recession. Is it still good for stocks that the margins are getting squeezed on both sides? I mean, obviously, we yes. know material costs have increased substantially. Maybe some of them are starting to come in slowly. But labor costs are not coming in. Labor costs, or anything, are going up. I mean, you just talk to people out there. You talk to businesses, and they're like, we can't find people. You know, I've got, there's a sign in the town here where I'm at, McDonald's hiring, $18 an hour. I mean, this is McDonald's. That's a minimum wage job. Minimum wage now in Ontario, I think, is like 15 something. But still, $18 an hour. I mean, it's got to be tough squeezing on both sides here. So I, I'm just at the point where I just look at this earnings season, going to be coming up in another month, and think, how are they going to be, you know, killing it? How are these, you know, companies going to be right there throwing up these big numbers? They're not. So if we get the same earnings season, we're good enough, it's good enough. But eventually, good enough isn't good enough. 
and I've added all up and the market is still not cheap. So that's why overall, I'm still got to be a seller of stocks. As a trader, we got a 390 to lean on. So, you know, you got to have your time horizon. I've got 47% cash long-term portfolio and that it's only job in my long-term portfolio, registered money is to invest. It cannot do anything else. All it can do is invest. So if I'm half cash in that thing, obviously I've got some major concerns. It's a big risk I'm taking because the market takes off without me. Everybody gets better off without me. But so far, it's been the call to have a little bit extra cash. All right. Well, let's talk about the energy crisis. Of course, it's expanding out there, the talk. And I feel this is more macro. So I'm going to touch this and then we'll get into Bed Bath & Beyond and digital world acquisition. So I know sure. the chat can hold on for that. Let's talk about this. So Gazprom uh, stepping up here now saying that the ball is in Siemens Energy Court. Gazprom will not resume pumping until Siemens Energy repairs faulty equipment. Um, they told uh, Reuters on Tuesday that Nord Stream 1 pipeline, Europeans' major supply route, would remain shut as the turbine at a compressor station had an engine oil leak, sending the wholesale prices soaring. Um, and of course, we're going to keep on watch what happens with natural gas, but um, Uniper, uh, Germany's kind of utility here, uh, CEO stating, I have said this a number of times now over this year. I'm educating also policymakers. Look, the worst is still to come. Um, and of course, uh, other news coming out of UK, British Prime Minister Liz uh, drafted plans to freeze energy bills for UK households in a bid to migrate uh, the country's spiral cost of living. Um, so they're going to freeze energy bills and probably be putting out some stimulus to go ahead and make sure that they could pay for that. Um, so there's a lot to talk about here. And then uh, we can get into all the oil talk, too. This is kind there's of more of the natural so gas. many issues, Mitch. I mean, this is so hard why it's hard to pay 20 times earnings or 20 times for, for on, a, on a forward basis or even a backward looking basis, I guess, for this market. I just can't add it up. I can't add it up to get to all-time highs. Like I keep saying, okay, well, how you know, or is Craig Johnson going to be right here? How is Tom Lee or you know, Tom? Is it Tom? Tom Lee? Yeah. How is he going to be right? How are all these analysts that are calling for all-time highs? I don't see the math. I can't add up. So I see the only way we can get to all-time highs is if FOMO takes over and the market completely becomes disconnected from reality, which it which it has in the past. So it can do that. Anything is possible. Never say never. But if you believe in anything, you know, if this market is trying to follow the economy to a certain extent, I don't. I just can't see us just blasting off and just getting everything better again. I mean, inflation, wage inflation, it sounds to me like Joel from that Barron's article is here to stay. And material inflation has come in and that helps. But this wage inflation is going to be sticky. And, you know, Akron was saying, oh, we can get down to 4% here. I don't think anytime soon. So I'm just sticking with caution. And the energy thing is a whole different, it can't op open the can of worms. I mean, you look at these European stocks and you can look and you can go out and look at the EFA. You know, we're sitting right on the July lows. So there's, you know, a good feel for, you know, what's happening over, over in Europe just by looking at that ETF. I mean, you can look at the European banks. They're sitting right near the lows. I mean, Deutsche Bank is at eight bucks. The low of the move back in July was 754 very close to the lows of the move. Barclays off a little bit. Credit Suisse is right there. Made new lows actually two days ago. UBS, we're just doing, you know, UBS had a bad tick. It looks like the one day, but, you know, sitting near the lows as well. It's 
just hard to add it all up to say rah rah bull bull or every bear market only lasts a year so we'll get our money back in a year it doesn't have to go that way your silence again your silence is no deafening. because your silence because, is deafening joel well you go you go i mean you just you you started talking about oil and you know well, you, you not oil that was just all natural here. that was all natural gas talk okay. We're this putting is, it all together. Okay, put it all together. Your second premise, I, I agree <laughs> with about you know about you know eventually things getting hit on earnings. But what I'm sick and tired of hearing about is $130 crude and $20 natural gas. We hear all these talks every single day. I hear this is happening, this has happened. And what's the price of crude done? It's gone down, okay? What is natural natural gas? Everyone's breaking at 10, going to 12. They're backing down. They're, they're, I don't understand it. If this is, you know, if this is the final nail in the coffin for our economy and $130, I mean, $130 crude, you know, $12, $15 natural gas, we're, we're just, it's over. It's, it's really going to kill the market. But what is, what is the market telling me uh, about uh, the price of crude? What? Why do? If this is so true, what? Why aren't people backing up the truck at ninety, ninety-five, a hundred? Because I mean, there's still, there's still, you know, there's no contango. There's backwardation. I don't understand it. And, and this is why the commodity bulls. You can't have it both ways. So I've argued for lower crude prices too, because I think we're going into a recession. I've said that on this show, and people know I've been yep. saying that on this show. Demand destruction will hit the commodity markets as well. And that's what we're starting to see. So you do have supply, demand, supply, demand. So supply coming down, as to Mitch, you know, obviously is going to increase price. But if demand is all of a sudden starting to go down, that can compensate over offset it. So you will get demand destruction happening. And I think the reason crude is coming in is you are starting to see some of that demand destruction happen. I, so, I think I think the only reason uh, crude hasn't taken off is because of demand issues in China. Demand That's issues a, everywhere, Mitch. I, I think mean, it's majority from Europe's shutdowns, a mess here. You know, the you, shutdowns. You know, in, go back in China. to last week to you know our tour guests here. My kids are going to school, so I'm just waving goodbye to them. <laughs> Bye. Have a good day. Goodbye, kids. <laughs> Hey, they're back day. The first day back at year. school. Back to school. Back, back to, stocks. to school. Back to school. To prove to dad that I'm no fool. Well, I never heard Billy Madison, baby. I never. Opec oh, adding to oh, the game. Right. All right. Now we'll go with the Billy Madison quotes. Billy Madison's quotes. an awesome. Movie. I, I, I that, my these kids. Guys, these yeah, guys. That's a favorite one. Okay. All right, um, so OPEC playing games also, right? Deciding to cut productions by a hundred thousand barrels per day from October. But last month they agreed to raise oil output by a hundred thousand barrels. So pretty much just nothing. I mean that that just cancels it out there. Um, and then uh, there were comments, of course, by Russia about any actions to impose a price cap would lead to a deficit on initiating countries' uh, own markets and would increase price volatility. Um, this was, of course, uh, battle back from Russian's energy minister. All of that is absolutely meaningless, though, in the big scheme of things, because price tells all, like Joel is saying, I agree with Joel's argument here. If we're going rah, rah, why is crude continuing to go down? You know, even, you know, with natural gas here, it kind of looks, look at, look, look at UNG. 
you know, and then it's, you know, obviously ETF there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how it hasn't taken off. To me, this is kind of one of those. If more it's not illogical... taking off in this, that's telling yeah, you. Yeah, when's it going to take off? Yep. Hey, hey, I'm just, I've, I've talked don't about the messenger. We still got winner. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. Winner is coming. That we cannot doubt. The and there is a crisis there, but coming. that looks toppy to me, Joel. That UNG chart on that top right hand corner. Looks like it's kind of trying to top out. And that's a good thing for the market. So you do have, you know, as oil prices have come in, that helps. I go to the pumps. It's a buck fifty a liter. It was a two dollars a liter, you know, two, three months ago for gas. Buck fifty. That helps a bit, but does it help enough? Maybe. Maybe it helps with the CPI coming up. And there was a good question in the chat, I believe, in on my Twitter feed as well, um, asking. You know, maybe we could take it over to this and move away from the commodity talk. But, I mean, we're going to get a CPI data point here in about a week and, you know, next Wednesday. And is that CPI data, inflation, you know, commodity inflation has still, you know, come down, I think, probably from the last report. Does that CPI data look okay and give you, you know, that short-term pop like it did last time? I don't know. I don't know. Let's keep going. Questions the chat on that, too. I think that's possible. I would sell that pop. But I think it's possible. I, I mean, just I, I just don't see it how it came down much, much more than what we had last month. I feel like prices are about the same. And so we could possibly see like just the same in line number here. Um, let's go ahead. I don't want to see anything. This is such a silver lining market, though, Mitch. If they see anything okay, they buy. I mean, that's okay. the one thing going this market's I, way. I would is agree. That the most forgiving market. Everybody wants an excuse to buy. They want to believe that we're going to all-time highs. Everybody, you know, wants to believe that Bitcoin and crypto is going to turn around and, you know, make new all-time highs by the end of the year. Everybody wants to believe that. And the market wants it as well. So, you know, you haven't broken that mentality yet. There's not real fear out here yet. And it's, I don't know if that's to come. Or maybe the bears just lose. Maybe, you know, it, it, as a trader, you've got to always be able to swing your opinion here. I, I, I four, when we were 4.30 three weeks ago, or 4.20, I started early after that CPI data and we had, the, you know, the, the run-up. You know, I was like, I'm selling into the strength now. I kind of predicted that CPI data would be light. I predicted that there was going to be a pop-up. And I decided, you know, on three days early, it was three or four days early for sure, but I decided to start selling stocks. Well, I'm just wondering, is that the same thing happen again? Do we get another CPI data point that shows a little bit lighter? Because if it does, they'll rip they'll they'll rip this market higher again. We'll have to go ahead and see. Let's go towards the uh, next topic here. Let's get out of that now, and we'll put it on the radar that today we do get an economic data that's important. Non-manufacturing P- PMI estimates at fifty four eight. Uh, prior was fifty six uh, seven, and so that's at ten a.m. We're not going to be able to see that number, but I just wanted to put it on your radar out there. And it's always important to know these numbers because you're just like, la, 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 trading, and all of a sudden, boom, what just happened? Boom, 10 a.m. Got to know those numbers when they're going to be important anyways. And obviously, Fed speak, we know, is very important as well. But there's just so many balls to juggle with this market. It's tough to make a call. And, you know, and we're flip-flopping around. That's why I'm kind of market neutral overall. You know, I, yeah, I've got a lot of cash in the long-term portfolio, but I think you still got to be somewhat neutral here because we've sold off like let's put it in perspective people like you gotta sell stocks you know they're saying it now we fell 10 percent two weeks joel 10 percent of the overall market in two weeks and now they're selling stocks i'm like where were they three weeks ago when we were talking about selling stocks in this show i feel like we're ahead of everyone always i would say like i said i'm always three days four days early so if you actually the sweet spot would be to, probably to listen to this show and execute three days later 
because I'm always three days early, but I'd rather be early than late. And CNBC, they're always late. You know what? We should play, instead of doing live shows, like two, like today's Tuesday, we should play, well, because it was a weird week, we should play Wednesday's show today. And yeah. then we do the show We'd and then we put accurate. it on we put it on three D three days How later. Three day delay. We'd be very yeah, accurate. three day delay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, think so. I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to the higher ups about that. Yeah, uh, what you had on the upside, we were all looking at the fifty and it exceeded it, right? You know, just enough to make you think, wow, you know, yeah, we might be going back up, you know, higher yeah. levels. Yeah. And now on the downside, you know, every move has a counter move. Uh, we are still below the fifty percent retracement of uh, of the uh, of the rally. Like after we, you know, after we had the move up, this retracement, then I want to see what the retracement is on the way down. So, uh, you know, we we have exceeded it. Dennis, you mentioned a double bottom. I think it's really important this week. You know, starting out September. You know, starting. You know, start to you know people gear up for the next expiration. I, you know, if we could just calm down a little bit. You know, have the ranges come in, you know, not have quite the volatility and build the base. We have a chance. But I think you gave everyone, you know, a great level, a great level on the downside. Yeah, I know it's still 50 handles away, but, you know, to catch bigger moves, you you know, you have to, um, you know, you have to risk a little bit more. But that's a good level. Love to see us break into the 4000 handle and. Here we are stuck at 39.50. It's hard to be rah-rah bearish here, too, just because we've just sold off 10%. I find myself, you know, if you're selling here, you're selling the dip. I don't make a lot of money selling the dips. So, I mean, today you get a rip, so maybe you're no short-term trader who's selling into this. But overall, it's been a pretty good sell-off here. If you're selling stocks in your long-term portfolio now, I think you just, you know, you missed the window of opportunity here. I feel like we could bounce back up to, you know, on a good CPI, number next week we could bounce back up to 410 it could happen and then i would be dumping I mean, stocks my, my only thing is that retracement of this recent move my only thing is that's next week <laughs> yeah it's that's, too that's far away too, too far, far away. away for me i think i mean I, I think too. we it leaves it room leaves you know what that leaves room for me i think that leaves room for us to come down closer towards those june lows then we could see more of a rebound because we'd be an extreme oversold um, we are still oversold. I mean, at least you, we did come quick. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with Joel a little bit. Some sideways action this week between 400 be and it 390 is something yeah. that I could see happening. Just a little playing in between there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to watch. Let's go towards a conversation here. We'll yep. give uh, the chat full. Uh, just wanted to ask the chat, please remain respectful in this next conversation. Don't want to have to put people on mute or timeout. Or yeah, block people yeah, for kind of pointless. Yeah. Um, let's go to Bed Bath and Beyond I here. Do. CFO Gastuva Arnal died by suicide, and it's causing the stock to definitely come down fast here. Wow. Um, and the question is, I mean, now what do you do if you're an investor in Bed Bath and Beyond? I think you got to ask your question today: if if this is your chance to get out, or do you stay in a stock now that has a lot of issues here? I mean, the only thing that could turn the story around, like I've said before, is if Cohen bought it, rebought shares, because obviously he sold at 25, 27, 28, 29. You know, he sold some 2019 as well. I don't think it's out of the realm possibly that it could rebuy shares, and that would ignite this thing. Um, but besides that, I mean, he got support down at five. That's a long ways away. That's where this all started. Um, you know, 
obviously, you know, it's a very sad story, you know, when somebody dies, and especially by suicide, I felt terrible for the family. Um, so it's hard to talk about, you know, from that perspective. So I think we just talk it technically here. Yeah, obviously breaking down here once again. I don't even have um, technicals. It, it is a headline-driven stock. That's why I was like, I'm challenged to see what the next headline is going to be to for the bulls. I, I would say the only headline that would really, you know, get it going the other direction is if Cohen rebought shares. And and yes, rest in peace, CFO. I, I think I, you did, to say much. I, I think you guys did a good job covering that. Yeah, it, it's yeah, tough technically. Much. There's not yeah, much, and yeah. obviously, it's headline driven. The meme stocks are getting hit a little bit on this. GameStop is trading down. We know they kind of do trade together to a certain extent. There is a relationship there. I do trade these stocks against each other sometimes. The GameStop has come off substantially. AMC has come off substantially. Yeah. Ape has come off substantially. Um, they've come down enough that. I'd be cautious if I was putting on short positions on these things now. I mean, you do see, you know, boom, boom. And then there is these violent little squeezes up here. GameStop down here once again. I feel like 25 has got some support there. But again, I mean, there's no fundamentals to support price. So, you know, I can't say, well, eventually, you know, if I buy it here, you know, I've got a long-term time horizon, I'll be okay. You know, a long-term time horizon on some of these stocks, I think you're not going to be okay. But as a trade, I mean, we're $45 on GameStop like 10 sessions ago, 12 sessions ago. We're 26 here now, Joel. This has quietly been just, just two disaster. for one. Yeah, yeah. it just been, quietly been cut in half. So nobody's talking about GameStop. It's all been talking about Bed Bath & Beyond. Just quietly, GME has been cut in half. So I do think you got some support down here at 25. So you want to take a flyer? You know, there is some support. You're going to come to some support here eventually. All right, let's keep going. Let's go towards Do the DWAC uh, yeah, tie in. Digital World Acquisition. Let's go Ooh. towards it as it's trading lower following reports suggesting that shareholders have rejected the special purpose acquisition company's proposal to extend the deadline by a year for its merger with Donald Trump's uh, Trump Media and Technology. Oh, man, this is just a disaster story, too. How I mean, high did this thing get yet, I, I said it from the very start of this. This it's, was it's a down short 90% from the very start. The this was a short from the very start. Well, it wasn't a short from the very start because it went from 10 to 175, so it's all about <laughs> timing. Even but. then, I still think that it was a short, but... Yeah, I never it. thought this Imagine was going short at 70 or 80 and then it goes to 175. How do you control the risk on that? I mean, it probably has been a short for the last few months for sure. As it just continued I think, to leak, leak and leak. And obviously I think this had uh, regulation I, concerns all written all over it. So just, just everything. It's just been a tough story. So especially if Elon Musk still is forced to buy Twitter and then he's running, you know, you got the, one of the greatest minds out there running a com- competitive firm. It's all, you know, somewhat scary to me to be an investor here. Um, I haven't liked this story ever either, Mitch. I've never, I didn't, just didn't want to short it because it was going yeah, straight up. But, is it a hard buyout? Yeah, oh, I don't think so anymore. I think I DWAC think is, is fine now. Let me look. I'll, I'll look right now. I don't think so. I know no, it was at one okay. point. No problem. No, it's not tough. I don't trade it really, though. DWACU, you can trade against it too. There's that one out there, but it's are tough, tough to call. We'll see what happens on on DWAC. Uh, it, it's getting whacked right right now. Yeah, um, down five thirty nine. I mean, ten bucks, right? That's this one have laminated front. And if uh, yeah, DWACU. 
Ah, there you go. You see, that's what you do if you know you're a spac trader. You look at the units. I already, I've traded those spacs and the spac units against each other lots of times. There's good arbitrage opportunities there, so those trades do work out pretty well. There you go. Looking at the arb there, we'll see what happens there. I'm definitely uh, will pay attention to those units. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into our guest today. Joel, you want to go ahead and take on over here? Oh, I sure do. And uh, what, a, what a good time uh, to, uh, to talk about uh, sports and sports betting. Yes. And uh, we have Jeff Camus. Week. Yeah, he is the, uh, the creator of the iBet ETF. Uh, let's bring uh, Jeff on. How are you doing today? Hey, great. How are you guys doing? Doing great well. Great to have doing... you on. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, a good mic. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I brought my own. I brought my own gear. I'm actually on the road. I'm in, on a road trip. I'm in California, so it's pretty oh, early for me. But I figured if I just stayed up all night, I'd be okay. There you go. Pull the all nighter. <laughs> That's how you got to do it. That's how you got to do pre market prep. You pull the all nighter. Awesome. All right, so let's talk about your ETF. Uh, creating the ETF. Um, I bet. Uh, got on the board in uh, in uh, late uh, twenty one. Uh, hasn't had the most impressive performance, but, <laughs> right. uh, you know, let's just talk about, you know, um, DraftKings. I mean, we just got to go to right the top components and there's a lot of fans of DraftKings out there, but the big question is, is when is this company going to turn a profit? Well, I think you're starting to see them move in the right direction, especially with, you know, the big question really that's gone on in this space really is how much money are these companies going to be spending on customer acquisition, I think what you're seeing is the newer model. Is we have California potentially coming on in November, which is really exciting here. You know, we have two propositions, 26 and 27, that are on the ballot for November. And let's say that, you know, these teams get, you know, that California becomes legalized in some way. You're going to see, you know, 17 different or all the pro team sponsorships you can in California. And that's really the strategic model now is getting in place with an existing type of, you know, you know, company, either it's media or sports related or a sports team and kind of creating that. And I think that's going to take down those customer acquisition costs, which can sometimes be, you know, it's hard to find those, that number, but I know people, we talked about it between 500 and a thousand dollars per, per customer. Some of the initial things that they were offering for signups, like matching bonuses of 3000 and all these numbers are kind of outrageous, even though 
it's not really false bets for the most part that those are kind of outrageous numbers and and those have definitely hurt these stocks and i think DraftKings, you know kind of has been the poster child for bad behavior in the space and i do think that they've kind of reined in the ceo a little bit in terms of you know when they're going to do events i think they have a good pr team around him now that's a little bit tighter and not talking about like the sharps you know hurting teams and and how the weekend's gone because people are you know hitting certain bets that they didn't expect and you know i think it's super evolving i think DraftKings within the next probably within the next year is going to be looking closer to, to being, being profitable. But doesn't, and I've gone back and forth with the guys on this and I mean, doesn't, you know, that like to me, the bigger incentives are just showing or just telling that, that the people are not making money doing this. Right. And they're yeah. just having to keep going to the well. I mean, you know, doing sports wagering, you know, over the years, I like, I like to do about suicide pools, but that, you know, that that's about it. Um, you know, I mean, is it just, I mean, are, are people just going to, you know, especially in tight times here, you know, with higher inflation? I mean, isn't that just an indication that, uh, you know, people are just less reluctant to, to go to the well, dip into that savings account and they need to offer higher incentives? You know, I, you know, I, I'm listening for this when I'm out, you know, if I'm out in an establishment. And I think a lot of people, you know, it, you may be just a $5 better per game. And I think, you know, it's sort of, I think one thing we've proven historically in our culture is that vices are recession proof. I think people mm. will still put a wager on their game. You know, you're having a bad week. Maybe something's not going right, but that game is going to bring you a big deal. And, you know, we're starting in the NFL season here in college football has just started already. And I think those are, you know, maybe you change your wager, but I think you still are, had a fantasy sports background for a long time. In fact, that's how I started kind of in this industry, why it made sense to me. I had a company called Dr. Stats Fantasy Sports. You know, a company like that brings a lot to people, you know, a lot of joy for a limited amount of money. And I think that's what, what's going to go on. I think we're going to see, you know, the individual investors. I talked to this company like gambling.com. They're sort of an affiliate or a lead generator for the space. You know, they tell me that right now in the U.S., most uh, users have 1.7 apps on their phone. But that in Europe, you know, where it's been more evolved, they're sort of in the three to three and a half to four, you know, um, kind of apps that they're using in and out. Jeffrey, I just got a general question. So Great I think one. I think petition, but sorry, but I think they'll they'll also have, uh, you know, I think there's going to be loyalty based on, you know, just being comfortable with a service. And I do think I do think this will continue to grow. And I think ultimately what you're going to find is, you know, most of this business is going to be done right here on our phones. And I think those that makes it makes it high margin business. And I think we've seen some of those numbers being really great. But I think that we're in, you know, people ask me, you know, we always have that inning analogy in the stock market. And they'll say, hey, we're in seven of the of the bull market. And I'll always say this is zero. We're in inning zero of the sports betting, especially in the U.S. Now, maybe in Europe, they're in inning two or three. But I think here we're still in inning zero. You know, we have we still have three really huge states that could potentially come on in the next two to three years with California, Texas, and Florida. So, so I, I think there's a lot more growth into it being accepted and being every day for the common person. Jeffrey, general question from the chat. And I like this one too. <clears throat> Laura Jam's asking, how does one go about creating an ETF? I mean, <clears throat> we've had a lot of ETF and I've never actually asked that question. So how do you go about creating an ETF? You know, what's funny is I think in this case, you know, it was sort of like a COVID story, right? I was, I was sort of in my COVID bubble, bubble like everyone else. I had a sports betting and gaming kind of started. I thought of it actually during, I think, the Packers, Tampa Bay, NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. And I just thought, you know, 
know, I started coming up with name names and then I came up with iBad. I was surprised it was available. Thought it was really kind of simple, sort of like, uh, you know, the other ones that have the eyes. Really, it takes a long time. It could take between six months and a year. If you're uh, an existing ETF provider, you can get one launched in as little as three months. But you go through some like a custodian service like uh, like US Bank, which I use, which the funds traded on. And then you start this due diligence process and, you know, kind of get paired up. The trust has to approve you. You know, it's protection for the common public. And and then, it, you know, you go through the process of, you know, writing up your with an attorney and sending into the SEC, they'll send you some rejections and you go back forth and back and forth. And then eventually, you know, after you get to the 72 day period, which is the waiting period now, you know, that would be like on a new ET on an ETF for an existing fund. Like if I had a second ETF, it'd probably take me three months to get to market. But generally like in a case like myself launching my first ETF with this fund, inherent wealth fund, it could take upwards of, you know, seven, eight months to a year. All right, I'm going to jump in here now. Two that I'm watching and keeping a close eye is one, I really like MGM, but I like, uh, I'm thinking, do they ever spin it off? Would MGM bets ever spin off? And what do you think about that? And then the last question, I'm going to do a twofold here with Penn. And what do you think about them completely going into Barstool Sports? Yeah, I mean, I think that's smart. I think, um, first off, MGM, no, I don't see any kind of spin off with that. I think they're going to more building a partnerships. I think when you see something like MGM, which, you know, you brought two companies actually that were wanted, you know, the Cosmopolitan, you know, they have a long relationship with Vichy, who of course owns like all the real estate under all the hotels and in, in that area in Vegas. And, you know, they got the inside deal kind of on getting the Cosmopolitan, which is key demographic for them, of course, because it's the younger, better. That's the 25 to 35 or 40 year old. I love the Cosmopolitan, but I'm a little too old to go there now, I feel. So I do. I think that was a key acquisition. I think it shows that MGM has long-term standing in this. I think in terms of Penn, I think it makes sense. I think what you're going to see more and more, and what I've been saying for the past year is, if you have media companies, you're going to have sports betting. It's just a natural. Uh, just one question here before we, we, we wrap yeah. things up. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, Daily fantasy sports, um, you know, what is your estimate for peak percentage of Americans that will do uh, daily fantasy sports? Uh, right now, that's only uh, uh, 12% or 30 million. Do you think that, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, that's the future for these uh, these companies is the daily the daily fantasy sports? I think the woman's better. Well. Oh, there he is. He's back here. You know, you saw the growth of the female better. Actually, they increased their percentages higher than men over the last year. So I think you're getting more and more people who wouldn't naturally or normally be on starting to get deeper in this space. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap on up there. Thank you for joining us today, Jeffrey. We'll definitely have you back on and we'll keep close eye on iBet. Appreciate you having coming on today. Thanks for having me. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap on up. Sorry about that, guys. I know that the connection was a little bit choppy. want to let you guys know. Appreciate you guys hanging on there with us. We wanted to ask some good betting questions. You guys know how we like this uh, industry, so it was fun to get towards it. Now let's go ahead. Let's get out of that. What do you see about the overall market, or do you want to wrap up on the sports betting talk, Joel? Uh, I mean, I don't know. You guys know how um... – how you know skeptical I've been on this. It's one you know, thing you see, like this pullback on DraftKings, just kind of mentioned there, but 
Go ahead, One Dennis. What do you got? One thing Jeffrey said, which, you know, obviously Joel isn't a fan of, but, you know, he said vices are recession-proof, and I think he's right. And I think mm-hmm. that was a good point to make is that people, even when they're broke, are going to gamble. And you know what? Yeah. Some people break, gamble even more when they're broke because they're like, they think this is the only way out. So I don't think like a recession all of a sudden stops people from gambling. So, you know, there's a good point he was making there. I agree. Um, and uh, this is one that I'll be watching for a pullback. You guys know I took it from a 1380s up towards that 17. Now it's coming back below 16 here. I'm kind of interested in DraftKings uh, this week, especially with uh, uh, opening day kickoff on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe today it's a little little pushback. It's gotten a lot of days on the pullback. And so it's come down really fast. RSI is completely oversold. Going to be looking for maybe a DraftKings bounce today. Pen too. DKNG yeah. and Pen. I could get on, on both, you know, and obviously Thursday night kicks Keeping off, you watch. know, NFL season here. So, you know, always September starts, you know, hockey preseason up here. You know, we start getting excited about it. October is the big sports month. are coming back. October is the biggest month for sports, like one of the biggest months for sure. You know, you get them all back. Obviously, baseball playoffs, and then football's fully going. Hockey starts, basketball starts. I mean, seasonality is working in its favor. Now, again, are we too early? Are we three weeks too early on this? You know, I, I do agree with you, Mitch. I think there is a bounce here in DraftKings and Penn, uh, just from a seasonality perspective, but I just don't want to be early. We'll see what happens there. I'll keep an eye on it. Let's go towards other news on out there coming from CVS saying that they would acquire Signify Health for $8 billion or $30.50 per share in cash. Signify provides technology and analytics to help in-home patient care. CVS and, uh, CVS and Signify Health would hold an analyst call at 8.30, so it should have already been going on. I don't know if the stock has made some reactions since that 8.30, but there there was an investor call at 8.30. Yeah, and the stock obviously has already been trading up on rumors. Somebody was going to buy them. Then we found out it's probably CVS, and now we get the actual announcement of the deal. So don't be surprised why it's not trading higher here. This stock was $15 a month and a half ago. Is this a Kathy stock? Yeah, she sold a majority of her position, though, when it popped on that last pop. On the last one, so she's got out of most of it. So well, she, you know, got, she gets so out she early. Gets the, she got another one right, so we always give her heat. That well, she gets out her. early, and she buys them late, man. Come on. She, she's Yeah, and we won't get into Kathy talk. <laughs> I was just curious if it was. She better hold on to that 40, but uh, what do you think about this, Joel? CVS, 98 bucks. Um, You know, that's your, I mean, it came down, had the decent earnings. Uh, They tried to get it into the gap, and uh, they couldn't. And uh, so 98, as long as that 98 holds, uh, maybe we get a, well, first things first, if you're trading this today, uh, you're still quite, just like everything else, uh, quite away from Friday's high of uh, 101.02. So that's uh, your first resistance point. But uh, as to stay above, above 98. All right, let's go towards uh, Kathy as we take a look at growth stocks. And um, what are you guys sure. feeling now? Do you, there's some of these that look interesting for bounce. I mean, we're all, we are oversold, Mitch. As much as you were selling the RSI when we did the show three weeks yeah. ago, we were overbought. We're oversold on a lot of these names, too. I mean, ARKK has come from 53 to 40. So, you know, is it going lower eventually long term? I think so because I don't agree with their strategies. But I'm still going to stick with, you know, I set it back in June. I thought the 52-week low was in. We're getting dangerously close that it might actually kiss it again here at 35. But 
you know, I, I still think it is. I still think that a lot of bad news you know, is potentially priced into this market because, you know, we're a lot as much as good news three weeks ago, we just sold off 10%. So I still think you're going to just chop around a lot here. I don't think we're going to go in and we're going into this, you know, boom, we're going to go into a market crash and everybody all of a sudden realizes, you know, that, hey, inflation's here to stay and the Fed's not winning. There's lots of, you know, potential like with the CPI. I just don't see us getting back to all-time highs. All right. How about we play a little game here where I'm just going to try to call out some of these names that are in ARKK and you guys tell us what you guys see on the charts there. We'll try to go, go a little bit really quick. Ta- the Let's Kathy game. It. First Four one minutes. up go. is shop. Shop. 30, 30, 30. That's all that matters is 30. Been down here for a long time. Been hanging out. Yeah. It takes out that 28, 29. There's actually going to be a good short opportunity if it can take out that support. Starts ticking 29. Get out. That's what I would say. But support is support until it's broken. It's that major support. So if you want to take a shot, you know where your out is. $29, I'd be getting out. I think you said it well there. Let's go to Unity here. Joel can give us this one. What do you think? Uh, Unity, and I'm I'm just gonna go this to to the Kathy ETF too. Um, yeah. You know, I I usually like to see you know Kathy give you like double bottoms or triple, you know, the in the same area, but it didn't do that on the top. It made that island top when it hit fifty four. So the question is, is it gonna do the same thing on the downside? Like, uh, you know, is it gonna hold the forty? So the same thing with Unity. I mean, you know, had a nice rally off the low. You have a spot, you have an exit point, really no other daily daily lows coinciding with it. But uh, I can wait. I feel, I feel there's, um, you know, it's worth a shot of a long side because you have an, an obvious exit point on both of these. All right, let's go square. I'll take Ooh, square. square. Down to Coming square. Into, and square. I've actually, this is a stock that I trade, swing trade really well. I don't know why it is, but, you know, I've obviously took up, the, you know, the, that recent move. I've done well swinging this thing. 60 is huge support. You're coming back into that area there. I sold my swing down, up at 91, got almost the top. Now I'm looking at it at 66 and thinking mm. maybe I should reload. I almost kind of want to wait for the 60, though. I feel like you've come this far. Maybe we can get a shot at that 60, which is major support. Uh, I just the way this chart's feeling right now, the way you had that major rally from under the $60 area, I think the bulls, the true bulls in this thing have, uh, have, have moved up their, their target area and, uh, 65 seems to be the level you're trading 66, 70. So, um, I don't know right now with the market dynamics, of course, everything had changed with the CPI. Doesn't feel like we're going to get down to under that $60 area. But once again, you have a place where, you, you know, you need to cut out on this. And that, that's it's a big day for these stocks. It's yes, a big it day is. for the market, too. If we just if we just like just roll over and flop and go right on the session, then it's it's we're going to take out last week, you know, the low from last week. It, this is a big day. So same thing big here. Day, big day. Yeah, just trying trying to be bullish, but hmm, that price action on Friday makes it awful hard. You didn't get the flush. You didn't get the weekend flush, uh, it, you know, and there was plenty of news, you know, more China lockdowns, you know, tough talk from Russia, a lot of reasons for it to get flushed, and it didn't. So, uh, but we'll obviously, we'll see when that real liquidity comes in at 930. 
All right, uh, NVIDIA, the last one I'll get. Oh, what a pain. Stock. This one's a tough chart to call now. Not even. It's just breaking out to new lows. When stocks are making new lows, you got to go. Is it oversold? Sure it is. But that stock's making new lows on the move. We need, like the Joel would say, some consolidation or something. Stop going down before trying to call a bottom in this thing. I mean, I tried to do it in Intel, trying to call a bottom, and, you know, boom, you know, I'm instantly down two bucks. So learn the hard way, even when you're putting them in your long-term investment portfolio. Wait till they stop going down before you put them in there, because obviously, you know, it, it, it's hard to just stop that falling knife. And NVIDIA is a complete falling knife still right now. It's repricing. The PE is really high. They're trying to figure out, you know, if this company's not going to make as much money as we thought they were going to make. There's a full repricing of risk here. It's not out of the possibilities that this stock could go into double digits. Inside day. Uh, looking a little bit more shorter term. So, the you know, the Bulls got to make a clear defense here at, uh, at 135.91. I just don't think you're going to flush out if you take that 35.91. I don't think you get the immediate flush down to 32.70. Um, on the upside, I mean, wow. I mean, it's going to be hard to get excited about the stock. You've had one, two, three, four, five, six lower highs in a in a row. So, Bulls will not be able to assert any control, at least if you can make a higher high on the session. And that would be exceeding 141.71. This is a streaky stock. Uh, you know, been following it closely after being one of the top components in the index. And you are now on a one, two, three, four, five, six day losing streak. So will it be seven? Will it be eight? Will it be nine? Boom. Just, uh, you know, wait for a turn. Maybe you get a little streak to the upside. All right. Now, uh, one stock that will be on the radar in midweek, um, of course, is Apple for their iPhone 4 kickoff. E- I- iPhone 14, iPhone 4, iPhone 14 event kicks off on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so keep this one on your radar. It's an event that definitely will have investors eyes. Do you see a, maybe a little bounce coming after a good decline there? I think so. It's such a market stock, though, so it's going to depend on the overall market. Mm-hmm. But I Definitely. obviously, I've talked about this in some of our webinars. You know, the Apple event, sometimes you do see a little run up ahead of it because they start talking about it. People start getting excited about it. Um, so often on Tuesday, you see that, you know, run up into it. Is it Wednesday morning? What, what time? Wednesday, 1 o'clock? It usually is, 1 o'clock. Uh, it's Wednesday. I don't it's usually have one the o'clock. time here. I'll, I'll it's usually 1 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. So we'll just go with that. That's what I think it is. Um, so, yeah, you could see a little bit of positive alpha there maybe from Apple there. Uh, a little relative strength maybe in the next couple of days. But, again, the overall market is dictating so much of the moves here right now. That's all that's going to matter. Uh, if you want to look for one positive um, in the market, the, you know, the top component of the index has mm-hmm. not given back half of the move yet. So Dennis mentioned, uh, you know, showing some relative strength there. Uh, once again, you got your double bottom in the spoos. Uh, for all intents and purposes, you have your double bottom um, in Apple, 54.67 and 54.97. So if you're taking a poke here, uh, you know where your out is. You filled the gap from earnings. So that's a good thing. If you're looking for a shorter-term target today, uh, we did come down with uh, 160.36. Doesn't really seem like it's in the cards yet today. Uh, but uh, Thursday's close, if you're looking for another target on the upside, 157.96. That's, uh, that's a minor number for you. All right, and I'll go to Carmen's stock here in the chat, ADM. 
Ooh, so doing a little ticker good. time here for you guys out there. Definitely smash a like if you guys enjoy us taking stocks from you guys in the chat. Give us a thumbs on up. Let's go. You've had the run back. I mean, the stock sold off, obviously, back June, July, and then had the nice run up. Hasn't sold off with the overall market, been holding up quite well. That's the good news. The bad news is that you just have overhead supply all up here in 90 area as well. So I think I'm more of a take the profits and run on this. Oh, yeah, right. this is a tough one. I think you've you've had what what that was not an all time high. Uh, let's see, ninety one and a half, eighty five and a half point, eighty seven and a half, eighty eight and a half, eighty nine. I like to see this get through eighty nine and hold, and then you know prove that it has them battle to get up and uh, test in the nineties. But uh, eighty nine looks like no no uh, no close or daily high there. But um, uh, actually. Now, nothing there at 89 for you, but it's kind of a number pulling back from a, a retracement off that nice move. Holding up okay, though. I want to grab lithium, LTHM. I'm still long <laughs> this in the long-term portfolio yeah. there. I sold a lot of it, but I'm like, I'm going to hold a piece of this just for the simple fact is, you know, one, it's impressive how well these lithium stocks have held up. You know, you think about the EV, you know, stocks really selling off. The lithium stocks have not sold off. So you can look at LTHM, ALB, obviously one of the biggest and you know, strongest companies in the industry. A little more speculative, LTHM, that was the old spinoff, I believe, from uh, FMC. And then LAC is another one, too, which I don't believe they're making money yet. But you can see it, that we are moving to electric. So there's going to be a long-term demand for lithium. It's just not going away. So I think on pullbacks here, I think I'd be buyer lithium stocks. I've been holding this uh, one for a long time. Uh, definitely. You still definitely. have your. You still have yeah. all. Still have it all. You yep. never sell anything, though. No, I, I tried that discussion this weekend, and uh, it, it didn't. Well, at least it never allows you to sell anything. Uh, it's it's just, you know, I, um, I, you know, I tried to give like the old, you know, cash. You know, have the cash situation and. You know, instead of, you know, at least I talked about not putting more to work, but maybe taking some <laughs> off. And I gave my concerns. And uh, she's, uh, I'm not worried about that right now. <laughs> she's like, I, I don't have time to worry about Russia and China. So, mm-hmm. um, so Lithium, uh, this LTHM, been holding on to it for a long time. I yeah, Every cool. time it gets up in the 30s, I'm thinking, wow, it should be a great sale. Then it comes back down in the 20s, and I regret it, and now it's back up here. So you need a clean break over 34. Um, It hit that back in May. It hit it back in August. So if you're playing at the upside, just hate to see another failure at 34. All right, I'll tell you which one you should keep an eye out in this industry is PLL. Why do you want to watch Piedmont Lithium? Because they just announced news on September 1st of their uh, new refinery plant in the U.S. And uh, keep eyes for more projects like this. Of course, with the Inflation Reduction Act, we are looking at those EV incentives, right? A lot of those materials need to start being produced here in the United States. So you possibly could be hearing more and more news of projects being moved or created here in the U.S. So PLL, I like the chart. It's on my radar today. Uh, Open it right in the Friday side. Keep an eye on 59. Go ahead, Dennis. No, I was going to say, they've just all been impressed with the relative strength in these things. They've all held held up very well considering the recent sell-off. Yep, definitely ones to keep on our radar. We'll see what happens with these. Um, ALB is another one that I keep on watch, and that one's holding up well with the market also. 
Um, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to a stock in the chat. I did see uh, Twilio mentioned by Martin. Ooh. Let's take that one. That? Stocks making bucks. new lows. You got to go. There's a repricing Ooh. of risk. Companies Ooh. that are trading at nosebleed valuations are not making money or not being rewarded in this I mean, is this nosebleed anymore? <laughs> is it? The, in, the entire 2020 run, you know, for the COVID run is gone in Twilio. It's right back to where it was pre-COVID there, which is impressive in itself. But I don't want to be long anything that's making new lows. It's actually lower. I think, wow, this is COVID this is uh, pretty impressive here on a monthly basis. Impressive selling Let's pressure. Press, One, impressive. Two, three, four, five, six, Relative yes. weakness. Seven <laughs> out of eight. Eight out of nine. Nine out of ten. Uh, low, uh, lower lows and lower highs and lower closes for the month. The one, the one break was when it rallied a dollar in July. So. Show me a green candle on a monthly, and uh, maybe we can talk about this stock on the long side. And in order to do that, so sixty nine fifty eight uh, would be that was your August month end close. Call it seventy. That's your major resistance for now. All right, uh, one last area that I'll be watching. I'll just go to the ETF that we've been keeping an eye out. URA. What happened with uranium? Now, interesting setup here uh, for URA. We'll see if it gets back above twenty four. Just just some of these stocks, that, like CCJ, I always go to off of this, but it's just run quite a ways here now. I mean, a week and a half ago, we're 22, now 28. So kind of just say I'd miss, I miss, I've missed this one. Uh, let's see. Trading up 80 cents, a little bit of volume. Uh, opening in Thursday's high. I mean, I don't know how many stocks you're going to have opening into uh, Thursday's high. So see what happens. See if the, uh, the bulls can get it 23 bid, but uh, opening into your two-day high. All right. That's going to do it for us. Like always, you guys can catch Joel O'Connor on Pre-Market Prep Plus where he goes through some stocks. So if you guys still have some on your mind or want to get some of great uh, Joel's great levels, definitely go ahead and hit up Pre-Market Prep Plus. Anything else you want to leave off with, Joel? No, no. Just um, on the upside, uh, keep a close eye on that that, that pre-market high, 63 and a quarter. I have a weekly number there. So um, after the week we had, after the day we had on Friday, um, yeah, I see us up 23 and a half handles. But uh, the bears are still in control. And uh, a close over 39.64 would make me a little bit more positive for the week. But uh, we'll see what happens during the regular session, Triple D. Uh, I will check in with you later on. So Sounds everyone good. have a good day. Okay. All right. Have a good one, guys. Definitely getting you guys on out of here. That means we start wrapping on up, getting you over to live trading action. We got another great day for you guys. Like always, we got our live trading show that comes on next. That's from 9.05 over to 11 a.m. Then we got our futures action show. Come on over and learn some futures. Then, of course, we'll be getting into Benzinga Live with none other than AB as he gets into some entertainment and takes a look into the market. Then, of course, Stock Market Movers comes at you guys at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. That's where I take on over and come back out here. I'll give you guys expert opinions. Got two great guests on today. Excited to talk about some oil game on out there with Thomas Hayes, like always. And then we'll get into, of course, at the close. At the close is where we covered all the market action with Joel Elkanen. So I want you guys to come on over. There's too many of you guys that watch pre-market prep and are not at at the close. I want to see you there today. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Let's get you guys over 
to some live trade in action with, of course, Zunaid and I as we get into this market. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.